taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. It's good to be back. I uh, had a little break last week. Guys got to hear from Shay. He wrapped up a series on uh, the Holy Spirit. So last week was my uh, birthday, and I got some birthday love. I was surprised. I usually keep my birthday pretty low-key. Um, and so I was looking at Kim like, how did everybody find out about this? But I got a nice card and nice notes, and I got a cake that didn't make it more than uh, three days. And, uh, but I just wanted to start by saying it's a, a blessing uh, to be, that you let me be one of your shepherds. And uh, I don't take that lightly. And last week was this reminder that this is a huge privilege that I get to be uh, your pastor. So thank you for letting me uh, do that. And, and I appreciate the, the love. Some of the people who sent me notes, they're not sitting in the room right now, but just know that I appreciated it. So series is called The Gathering. A community set apart by the gospel as a compelling witness of Christ to the world. And I'm calling the message today the identity and responsibility of the local church. And we are looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3. And Paul wrote this letter because he actually cares about the local church. He cares what goes on. In it, and when you read from chapter one all the way to the end, what you will find is that there's all kinds of instruction about how we are to behave and carry ourselves in the local church because our behavior matters. And our behavior in the local church matters because of what the local church is. Because of what the local church is. And we are going to be looking at verses 14 to 16 in chapter. Three And the, the way schools make announcements in the mornings, here's the announcement I want to make. Here's the big takeaway from our passage today. The local church has a distinct identity and an important responsibility. That's what this text is going to show us, that there's a distinct identity that we have. The, the way every pair of J's are distinct, and you know I love me some J's. There's some things about the local church that makes us distinct from the world. The, the way a guardian is responsible for a child, there is a message that the local church is responsible for. And my aim in the talk today is to show you what makes us distinct, what our responsibilities are. I want us to see that because I want to influence our behavior. That's the whole aim. I want to influence the way we live. I want us to see that, that this is what makes me distinct. This is what makes the church of God distinct. And it's a, there's a certain way that God expects us to live. So let's look at verse 14. Paul says, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. So Paul wants to come and see Timothy. He says, but if I should be delayed... 
I've written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. So again, you see this word there, delayed. Paul wants to, wants to see him. He's like, I, 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 there's some things I want to tell you, but he knows that, that his life isn't necessarily controlled by him. I want to make a trip, but something might get in the way. And so he says, if I'm delayed, I'm still going to write you something, though. I'm going to send you this note. And what this teaches us is that there's some things in life that just can't wait. He says, I want to come, but something might get in the way. And so if something gets in the way, you will have this letter. There's this urgency that he has in him. And I, and I, I share that because I want us to know that there's a principle here for us to take away, which is believers shouldn't procrastinate. That there's some things in your life that just can't wait, that you actually need to get it done. Maybe it's something around your health. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a personal development issue. Maybe it's a money issue that you need to work out. Maybe it's a relationship thing, something you need to do for your spiritual growth. Maybe a ministry-related thing. It needs to get done today. There's some things that just can't wait. And I just let the Spirit guide you in what that may mean for you. We ought to get those things Done, But I want you to notice that Paul calls the church God's household. Do you see it in verse 15? How people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. See, the local church is the family of the living God. The church isn't a political entity. It's not a business. It's not an entertainment center where we come just to, just to be entertained. It's a family. That's what the Bible teaches from the beginning of the New Testament all the way to the end. And here's the thing. We didn't get in by sneaking in the back door. We got into the family by faith. Let me show you. John says he came to his own. This is speaking of Jesus. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, what did he do? He gave them the right to become children of God. Those who believed in his, see the faith? Those who believed in his name. We got in by faith. And J.I. Packer, he wrote this. Just bless me and help me this week. Challenge me with this this week. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes, he or she, of the thought of being God's child. And having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayer, his whole outlook on life. If you don't start with God is my father, if that's not the controlling thing, then you might not understand Christianity all that well. It means that he does not understand Christianity very well. Father is the Christian name for God. Father is the Christian name for God. He is, our, we start every day with, I'm a child of the king. Amen. That's how we get up. And we say, my father is in charge. That is how the day should start. And here's why this should comfort your soul. This, I want to show you. Take a look at the screen. Five reasons why it's blessed to be a child of God. We receive assurance of salvation. There's a scripture verse coming up. I don't always know the reference. 1 John 5. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. There's this assurance. Eternal life is ours. 
Shay talked about this last week. This already and not yet. We are saved and we are being saved. We have it. There's the next one coming. We receive a future inheritance. Just keep rolling, Eddie. There's scriptures following them. Galatians 4, 7 says, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There's, some, there's an inheritance coming to us. Let's get the next one. We receive guidance and instruction. We're not here, we're not on our own. We actually have help. Let's see the text. There it is. I'm not making it up. I'm telling you the truth. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. I love that word correction. It tells us that there's some things that God sometimes like, yo, Marv, that's got to change. For correction and for training in righteousness. Love that. That the man of God or woman of God may be complete and equipped for what? Every good work. We get guidance and instruction and we can do the thing. With God as our father. Here's the next one. We receive, ooh, this one's a little tough, fatherly discipline. Right? We don't, sometimes we're like, I wish you didn't put that one on the list, but it's true. We receive fatherly discipline. Give him the text, Eddie. Hebrews 12, 6. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. Amen. Right? That's the heart it's coming from. The one he loves. He does it for, the, the whole text, if you read it, actually says, if you are left without discipline, then you're not actually a true child. Sometimes if things aren't tough, if you're not feeling it a little bit, it might be a sign that you got to wake up a little bit, that you might not be on the team. Right? Sometimes that hard thing comes into our life, but, and we're like, oh, I can't believe this thing's here again. But sometimes that hard thing, you're like, oh, I should actually give a little bit of thanks because it's telling me my father's working on me. He disciplines the one, go back, Ed. He disciplines the one he loves. I feel so free up here. He does it for our benefit. Why? So that we can share in his holiness. It's going somewhere. So that we would share in his holiness. God is trying to make us like Jesus in the difficult things that come into our lives. That's the aim that is there. I think there's another one. Yes, we are placed in an eternal family. The family that we're in, this local church thing, it's gonna go on forever. And so we better work at getting along right now. You're not gonna be like, you know, like you can't avoid people in heaven. Mark 10, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or land for my sake or for the, sake, for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, there it is again, eternal life. There's this eternal family that we have been brought into. And here's the thing about the family. We have a role to play. So let me show you. I'll show you. Oh, wait, some wise actions to take before we, before we jump ahead. Based on that list, I'm excited, but based on that list, here's some wise action to take. We should give thanks to our Father every day. Start with that. God, yes, it's hard today. Yes, I didn't see that struggle coming, but I'm giving you thanks because you are with me. We should remember that we're not alone. Remember, we're in a family. And again, we should fulfill our role in the family. Let's give that, let's show what that looks like, what it looks like for us to fulfill our role. We need to work hard to maintain unity. 
We were talking about this at our, our small group the other night. I believe one of the things with all the different racial tensions and all the things going on with the government and all that kind of stuff, I think one of the things that is going on right now is Satan is attacking unity in the church and doing all that he can to divide. Yes, we might come to some different conclusions on certain things, but we've got to look at one another and say, we're family, and so yes, we might, again, we might land some different spots, but on the main things, we're, uh, we're in it together, and we are doing what we need to do to maintain unity. We will not divide this flock. That should be our heart. Because the New Testament makes it clear that unity is not optional, it is essential. And Satan is working, I believe. And we should not let that happen in our family. Again, unity does not mean uniformity. So we don't have to land in all the same spots, but we have to say we're family and we're not going to get divided. Then we need to humbly embrace vulnerability. God wants us to share our fears, concerns, struggles, and frustrations with each other. If you feel alone, speak up so we can support you. That's the heart of of, of of your, one of your pastors, all your pastors. And I think a lot of people in our church, we've said this multiple times, we wanna be thick, deep, together, support one another. That's the heart here. And so if you feel alone, speak up. And then this other one, lovingly take responsibility. God wants us to look out for each other. Remember Cain, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, that's the answer. And so if we're asking that question, that's the answer for us. God wants us to comfort, correct, because sometimes that's necessary. And in this series, we're going to talk about that. Sometimes it's necessary that that needs to happen. And counsel each other. doesn't want us to just be making things, deciding things on our own. God wants us to disciple, mentor, serve, and pray for each other. Here's this crucial thing. All of this takes sacrifice and commitment to engage with each other beyond Sunday or Saturday gatherings. It's not just about the the one coming together. We have to go beyond that to do this sort of thing. And this is what the Lord wants from us. Galatians 6, verse 10. Is it there? It's not there? It just basically says, as you have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. And that should be our heart here. And I want to say just a quick word to the unbeliever. The church is not perfect, but the church has a perfect father. Amen. And so sometimes you look out and you're like, what's wrong with those people? Sometimes we're in here and we're like, what's wrong with the people in here? We st- but we know we have a perfect father. And the word to you is the unbeliever. If you believe the gospel, if you believe that we are imperfect and that Jesus came and died in our place and is alive and on the throne and will come again to make things right, to, re- to redeem and to rescue and to reward and to judge, that's part of the coming. You believe that reality, then, then God will adopt you into the family. And here's the thing. He will love you. He will protect you. He will guide you perfectly. And that is the word. So the unbeliever is like, where's the word for you in the text? Right here. Put your fit. You need a father. And there's no better father. And so ask the Lord to save you. Verse 15 says, but if, we're going to read verse 15 a lot, just warn you. But if I should be delayed, I've written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. The local church is a spiritual assembly. 
The word church here is the word ecclesia. It means called out ones. Remember the big takeaway. The local, we are, we are distinct, this, this called out one, and we have this responsibility. See, believers, what they are, they're, they're called out of the world by God and called into God's church. And you know what he says to us? Be holy, for I am holy. There's this expectation that we are to behave differently, and when we do that, it's a way we represent God well. We're distinct from the world because we're called out, but we're also distinct because God dwells with us. Second Corinthians 16 says, for we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will dwell and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. God promises to manifest his presence, this dwelling among us when we fellowship together, when we serve, when we sing, when we pray and we preach. This promise is there. And when we do these things, we get this real sense of the presence of God when we're, when we're together, that he is with us in the world. Gathering for the local church is crucial. This is why we need to, to pray. Because I don't know if you notice, we haven't been able to really gather. But this gathering piece is crucial. And so we are actually going to take time right now to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to bring us together. And I want you to remember this, that, that who we're praying to. Notice what the text says in verse 15. The living God. See, God is not some dead idol who can do nothing. Your prayer goes up to the God who is alive, Jeremiah 10 says the Lord is the true God. Here it is. He is the living God and eternal king. He's in control of everything. Psalm 18, verse 46. The Lord lives, it says. Blessed be my rock. Our prayer goes to a God who listens, who hears, who's in charge, who is king, who will answer. Listen to H.B. Charles on this. I love H.B. Charles. Prayer should be simple, direct, and straightforward. Consider prayer to be a loving conversation between a father and his children. See it? Family. Family talk. Family conversation. That's what prayer is. Between a father and his children. As you pray, you must believe the Lord is willing to hear and able to answer. And because at this church, we believe in applying the word, we're going to do that right now. And we're going to take a moment to pray, to have a loving conversation with our Father.
you will be their comfort, you will be their peace, Father God. For those in the church that feel that they can't speak out about how they're feeling and what they're going through, Lord, speak to their hearts today and let them hear and let them see that there is family and that we are here for them, Father God. Lord, you didn't leave us alone. You've never left us alone. And even in the relationships that we build in your church, Father God, you demonstrate your faithfulness. Father God, the early church met and broke bread and sang songs of praise and exhorted one another and encouraged one another. And we long for the day that we can do that once again. We know that we'll be doing it in heaven with you one day, Lord. We, we know and we believe that. But while we're here, Father God, we pray that you will just give us opportunities to fellowship. Give us opportunities to gather, to pray, Lord, to sing unto you, Father God. just continue to be with us continue to show us in little ways father god and in big ways how you are with us and how you are faithful and how you are taking us through this lord we trust and we believe and we know that there will be a day soon very soon lord where we can come together just to worship you to lift our hands and worship and to just praise you and thank you for your goodness and thank you for your faithfulness and to be in awe of your holiness, Father God. I pray that you will just continue to be with us, Lord. Continue to show yourself strong. Continue to speak to our hearts to just lay every burden at the feet of Jesus, to lay every burden at the foot of the cross, and to trust you in all things. We thank you so much, Lord for all that you've done and all you're going to do in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The thing about prayer is we do it and we wait in faith that God is going to answer. Thank you for praying, V. That was solid. Verse 15 let me see if I can put this plane on the ground. It says, but if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world and taken up, you say it, in glory. Taken up in glory. Remember the big takeaway, the local church has a distinct identity an important, and an important responsibility. Here's the responsibility. The local church upholds and proclaims the truth. Upholds and proclaims the truth. Notice that it says the Church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Not some truth, not the truth. There's one, and this is speaking about the gospel, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And the word pillar reminds us that the gospel is the truth that we uphold. The word foundation reminds us that the, the gospel is the truth that we protect at all 
cost. And we do this by living by it every day. Remember, the gospel isn't something that you just kind of put on the shelf. You take it out every day and you let it guide your living and affect you and touch your soul over and over and over. The the believer needs the gospel just as much as the unbeliever every day. Live by it. That's how we protect it. We also uphold it and protect it by protecting it from false teaching. Right? The church should not be afraid to look over and sometimes see when somebody's mishandling the word, being like, that's a lie. Because if we allow false teaching to sort of take root, it will shipwreck people's faith. And so you got to realize that why we stand up against false teaching is because we're dealing with life and death, that we're not playing a game. And so we protect it by exposing what is false. And sometimes we name names. You know why? Because when you read the New Testament, Paul named names. And so we don't shy away. I'm not going to do that right now. You want to talk to me after though, I'm around. By exposing false teaching, also by promoting it in the world. We live by it, we expose false teaching, and we promote it in the world, we proclaim. And to help us do that, Paul gives us the details of the gospel. The way we use a highlighter to highlight words on a page, he, he uses uh, this hymn to highlight five things about the life and ministry of Jesus. Here it is. First, he highlights the incarnation. It says he was manifested in the flesh. This reminds us that Jesus came to be like us without sinning. Very important. In order to save us. He, the, 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 the incarnation it was him coming as our substitute. Here's the next one. He highlights the resurrection. It says that he was vindicated by the Spirit. See, without this, our faith is meaningless. We are wasting our time. The prayer that Vivian just lifted up to the Lord is, means nothing, but Jesus is alive. The resurrection shows that sin and death are defeated. It's all right, son, go ahead. Number three, highlights proclamation. It says that he was seen by angels and preached among the nations. And what, what happens is that heaven declared what Jesus would come and do. And now we declare what Jesus has done and what he will do when he returns. That's, that's what's going on. Proclamation. We lift our voices. Next one. He highlights transformation. It says that he was believed on in the world. I'm standing here today because God in his grace opened my eyes. I was on a, a destructive path. It was party, football, party, football, party, football. That was it. And I was hurting all kinds of people along the way. But God looks and he says, you are, a, I was going to say fool, but I caught myself. And he just, oh, he just said, today is the day, Marv, to turn. I don't share my story a lot, but the night I got saved, I was going to uh, this person's house for nothing but nonsense. And it was like, there was, a, there was, a, there was just a voice, just me alone in Nova Scotia on, on the campus of St. Effects. It's like no one was around. And it's like the voice just said, how much longer are you gonna keep going to the same well, hoping to find joy? And then it felt like there was nobody around. I'm like, what? And then I walked 
to the campus ministry that was going on at the time and my friend John Bell who had been been sharing the gospel with me over and over and over he's a pastor now out in Nova Scotia I walked in and he was standing at the door and all he did was hug me and that was it and transformation started that moment I did not know where my life was going because all I had in my life set up for was to play football that was it and then coach football That was the end of it. And God said, nope, we're turning that around right now. Didn't know where it was going, but the transformation started immediately. I tell you that because I want you to know that the gospel is powerful and God will use it as we proclaim it. And when he saves someone, the transformation starts immediately. I say this all the time. Look at your life. Think about what you used to be and where you are now. And he's not done with you just yet. And so he highlights transformation. Then he highlights exaltation. And this should bless your soul. It shows that Jesus is on the throne mediating for us. Again, we have all kinds of help all the time. It reminds us that he was taken up in glory and he will come again in glory. Listen to Acts. Acts 1.11. The angel's looking, he's like, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come again in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. He's taken up in glory and he's coming in glory. And he's only going to be glorified on that day and praised. This is the message. Those five things, that is what we uphold. That is what we defend. That is what we proclaim. Why? Because this is the message that can save. This is the message that sustains and upholds and empowers the saints in the world. This is the message, it's like music. When it hits you, you feel no pain. And so we, we, we put it out there because we need it every, every day and the world needs it. My first job was at this place. This is a Wendy's on here, Ontario and Britannia. I got the job, I think I've told this story before because my aunt was the manager. I kept the job because my aunt was the manager. Many days I should have been fired and every single paycheck from this job went to Jordan's. Don't do that. There's none of this money is around anymore. There's a lot of J's around. There's J's around, but no money. This is my first job. When I walked in, they gave me two things. They gave me a uniform. And then they gave me my job description. The uniform told me I was not a customer. Told me I was distinct from the customers. And the job description told me what I was supposed to do. This is why the check is flowing. It's basically what the job description says. And you're like, why are you telling me that? Because this is what this text does. It tells us what makes us distinct from the world. And it tells us what God expects from us every day. God wants us to know that. That's, you're like, why does, why is a text like this in the Bible? God wants us to know what makes us distinct so that it would influence our behavior. So we would live a certain way. So we would live consistently with this 
distinction. And he wants us to know what our job is so that we would do it. Because the world needs it's an important message and the local church that remembers that they're distinct and the local church that upholds the gospel do you know what they're doing they're keeping jesus at the center of everything their lives and the fellowship remember the big takeaway the local church has a distinct identity and an important responsibility don't forget that Let's pray. Father, we lift our voice to the one who uh, hears prayer. God, we thank you that we can always have a loving conversation with you because you are our Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you are always, always going to help us as we pray and seek you. God, thank you for this text. Thank you for what it tells us about ourselves. Thanks you that it tells us what you are expecting us to do. And Father, I pray that our souls would have been helped, touched, moved, inspired, influenced, Lord God, in the ways that we need. And so we pray, God, for a fresh filling of your spirit again today to walk in the truth that is in the word. Help us to apply the word, not just to hear it, and do nothing with it, but to hear it and put it into practice. And we pray, Lord God, that you would bless us in our doing, we pray in Jesus' name. And for his sake, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.